Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Aristotle Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, CEO of Aristotle Pacific Capital, the sub-advisor for the Aristotle Funds Fixed Income Funds. Hello, and thank you for tuning into number 55. In the next 10 minutes, we'll go over market action in February, touch on stubborn inflation, the resilient economy, an increasingly hawkish Fed, and opportunities in fixed income. Let's begin. Starting with market action in February, I think the real theme was adjusting to the higher for longer sentiment regarding the Fed's rate hiking cycle. The narrative has certainly gained momentum in the press for the past months, and the market is essentially recalibrating. To give you a frame of reference, the 10-year Treasury entered February at 352 and ended the month at 391. That is a substantial move. So what were the results? S&P index was down 2.5%, roughly, still up 35 for the year. The Russell 1000 growth index was down about a percent for the year, up 7, so doing quite well. International was down a little bit last month, still up 6% for the year. Overall, equities were down about 2% in February, up 3 to 4% for the year. We hop over to the bond side, with the 10-year making a pretty big move higher. The Barclays Ag was down 2.5% in February. We're in a world where volatility in the belly and long end of the curve is substantial. 2.5% would have been the second worst or third worst calendar year on record for the index. That was February's performance. Again, just a reflection of the volatility in rates. Despite February's performance, the Ag is still up 41 basis points for the year. We move over to high yield. That's down about a percent for the month still up 2.5% for the year. The standout performer in February were floating rate loans. It's been a great defender against inflation and rate volatility. It continues to chug along with a healthy coupon, up 63 basis points in February and up over 3% so far this year. In general, I'd say a balanced portfolio, 60% equities, 40% bonds, is up about 25 to 3% so far. Not a huge move, but I'd certainly take it given the volatility we are seeing. Let's touch on the economy. In a nutshell, it's been extremely resilient given the recession predictions that have been in the news for quite a while. In my opinion, it's really centered on the labor market. I think we're still working through significant excesses due to the fiscal and monetary policy sparked in COVID. And when you think about the dry powder that came through the COVID packages, the unemployment packages, corporate packages, government spending, and central bank, that's a ton of dry powder. And because of that, the labor market is, is still strong. And I think that is booing the economy at this time. Then factor in at a global level, China is coming out of COVID. And we're seeing signs of manufacturing over there being very strong so far in 23. And Europe has had a warmer winter than people anticipated. So consumer spending is healthier. On the other hand, with all that dry powder, we still have sustained inflation. And markets continue to expect a recession. It's just being pushed out to later this year. In the end, I just think markets are having a tough time underwriting the economy. Now let's turn to inflation. Even though the markets have adjusted to higher for longer, that's a Fed narrative. When you look through, prices are dropping. For example, we've had drops in the price of lithium, which translates into pricing pressure on electric vehicles. You've seen discounts in fertilizer and food, in natural gas. Apartment rents are dropping. An interesting tidbit from an employment standpoint is something called the Temporary to Permanent Employee Conversion. This is uh, tracked by ISI. 
essentially employment agencies would view companies converting temporary employees to permanent as a sign of a strong labor market and vice versa. In 2020 and 21, 40 to 50% of temporary jobs were being converted to permanent. Now you're seeing that pulled back. You're seeing the numbers completely reverse where they're actually letting go of temporary jobs. We have a situation where the consumer and CEOs are expecting a recession. And that's why I, I still believe inflation continues to roll over. The higher for longer is a Fed narrative, which in my opinion, the Fed is still looking at rear view looking data. The counterpoint to what I just said is inflation could very well be stickier. So here's the other side. Consumers are spending less on goods and more on experiences such as dining, travel, entertainment. Those are labor intensive industries. And then when you look beyond that, we have an older population than we did 10 years ago. The largest age group in the U.S. right now is age 30 to 34. That's right smack in the middle of the millennials. 10 years ago, a ton of workers that were in their early 20s, and they were able to fill those service roles. But now the pool of you know, the 16 to 25 is 3 to 4 million people less, and the consumer pool of the 30 to 40-year-olds are millions more. So there's a little bit of a distortion from a demographic standpoint, which again, I think buoys the service sector or demand for labor in the service sector. Millennials are moving to the burbs, they're seeking housing, they're buying nicer cars, starting families. All of that factors into the supply of service-oriented labor and the demand equation. So let's continue on this inflation note as it relates to the Fed. And I, I honestly feel that every three months, I've had to make an adjustment to say, oh, they're going to go higher than I thought. And that's been the case for quite a while now. That's the case today. So where do we stand? Right now, the markets are discounting a 100% chance of a 25 basis point hike in March, according to Fed futures, and a 58% chance of a 50 basis point hike in March. Those odds are going to fluctuate based on data. But in addition, another 25 basis point hike in May and June. And because of Powell's recent testimony, there's now a 40% chance of a quarter point hike in September. If those hikes happen, that'll take Fed funds to five and three quarters, substantially higher than I would have thought. So I'd say the markets are certainly believing higher for longer. We'll see. So given all this backdrop, how do I view fixed income? I'll say it again. Credit is still attractive in my view. Again, I got constructive on credit last July. I still feel the same way. Where do we sit? The aggregate index right now, given last month's sell-off, yields about 4.8%. The average bond price, about $89, duration of six years. From an investment-grade credit standpoint, the index yield is 5.5%. Price is about 89 From a high-yield perspective, index yield is 8.6%. Again, high 80s price. Bank loans are the ones that have defended through this rate hike cycle, and every time the Fed hikes, that adds to the coupon. Loan yields on a four-year discount margin are at 9.8%, close to 10. Average price is 93. So again, loan prices have continued to stay around 92, 93, but yield continues to go up because of the Fed. That's a massive cushion, in my opinion. So in summary, from a relative value standpoint, I'm very constructive on fixed income relative to equities. From an absolute standpoint, there's a meaningful probability that credit holds in, especially high yield and loans, can hold in with return of equities over the next year or two. That's just, again, my opinion. As always, I will end this with a personal reflection. My teenage daughter recently took a pretty big chance and ran for student body president at her high school. She really put herself out there, did a tremendous job with the campaign in the right way, and fought the good fight. 
And I think deep down, she thought it was going to go her way, and so did many around her. But it didn't, and she's crushed. Afterward, what I shared with her was a passage from Teddy Roosevelt. as one of his more famous speeches called The Man in the Arena. So I'll paraphrase it and adjust to today's sensibilities. It goes, it's not the critic who counts, not the one who points out how the strong stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the one who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust, sweat, and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes out short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. I let my daughter know that in the end, it's the effort, not the outcome. She did right by the effort, and though the outcome is not always going to go your way, you're going to win long term. Thank you and stay tuned. The views in this commentary are as of the date recorded and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice, as market and other conditions warranted. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed.